0: Hello, and welcome to the Christ Church Cathedral podcast. This is the sermon from our past Sunday, recorded live from the cathedral. We hope these words will really speak to your heart and mind. I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, I have an app on my phone when I use most days, but particularly when I'm driving. It's called Pray As You Go. Some of you may know it. It's a series of beautiful reflections on the scripture reading for the day. And they usually start out with a piece of beautiful choral music. I love choral music, being a singer way back in the dark ages. (laughs) And uh, this one, though it stopped me in my tracks. It was the Kyiv Chamber Choir singing the Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, and so on. And it wasn't an ordinary setting of the Creed. It was translucent. It was almost Well, it reminded me of the way, you know, the sunshine shines through the stained glass windows at Christchurch Cathedral here, and you can see the patterns on the floor. It was exuberant. It was colorful. It was beautiful. The composer was obviously a person of joyful belief. Now, you understand that this would have been a beautiful piece of music at any time, but right now, With Ukraine under ceaseless and cruel bombardment, it was something to hear it. It was numinous. I will admit to a tear as I listened to it, as I imagined how much Ukrainians must be holding on to their faith right now and hoping and praying that it was sustaining them in this hard, hard time. And then, of course, the scripture for this particular reflection was the Old Testament story of the dialogue between Abram and God for today. Now the connection between the faith and the beauty of the faith that we profess in that just stunning rendition of the Creed and the story of Abram is absolutely intentional. See Abram is fed up in our reading from Genesis this morning. He sees no sign of all the descendants that God has promised him. And so the Lord takes him outside for a sermon illustration. Look at the stars, God says. Your descendants will be more numerous than they. And Abram believes. Now I think that's pretty incredible. But of course, Abram's trust in God was built over time and and through circumstances, God fulfilled one impossible promise after another impossible promise. Abram would remember in this moment that it's when he leans hard on God that things happen, that the road smooths out, that the way becomes clear and the vision that God has for his and for Sarai's life and for the lives of all his descendants, just rolls out in front of them. But Abram does have to lean hard indeed, as does Sarai, to get over themselves and their well-founded doubts. In our passage this morning, he and Sarai are well past the age when having a baby is a probability. And yet, he believes. Now, even the Lord is impressed by this. Instead of incredulity and perhaps laughter or even derision, Abram makes a decision to believe what God is promising him. And it's reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, I think that's real courage, to believe in a vision that seems impossible. It takes courage, and it takes something else, too. It takes vulnerability. Vulnerability is being is the fear of being exposed or harmed. And in this case, perhaps being deeply disappointed. Vulnerability plus trust kind of make up faith. They're components of faith. And of course, Abram displays both. Now, rather humanly, it doesn't last long. In the next breath, he's looking for proof that he's gonna inherit all the real estate that God's promised him. But they work it out in a covenant. That's another story. But back to that vulnerability thing. Well, there's a lot of that going on in our world right now. A lot of not knowing where we're going. A lot of wondering what the future, frankly, the next 24 hours is going to hold. And it's wearing. It's not how we like to manage our lives, is it? We like to plan. We like to strategize. We like to control events in order to plan our safety and our direction in life. But if our times reveal anything, they confirm what we only suspect, that we are not in control. This is a sobering conclusion that after all our attempts to feather our nests, to overprotect our children, make judicious investments, and climb the ladder to worldly success, it turns out that a war a half a world away, a pandemic on our doorstep, and a climate crisis that hovers nervously in the backdrop are revealing how little control we actually have. Now, we've been living through a time that has asked of us, really demanded of us, some extraordinary things. And for people of faith, people of the book, it's raised that age-old question. Do we believe? Do we have faith? Or do we inhabit a kind of functional atheism? You know, the God-helps-those-who-helps-themselves sort of argument. I'm not sure you can find that particular secular doctrine in Scripture, just saying. I raised this again, very intentionally, because to have faith is courageous. But it's a particular kind of courage, as Abram shows us is to believe and to lean on God for what is to come, trusting in God's promises, but not trying to control the outcome. It's another person who has been on my mind and in my heart these past couple of weeks who could fail to notice the unexpected heroism of Vladimir Zelensky. He's persevered in encouraging his people and the venerable tradition of war leaders, quoting Shakespeare, quoting Churchill, but who could also watch him without feeling our hearts creep into our throats, watching how unprotected and vulnerable he is. To watch him do what he's doing, fighting for his life and for the life of his country. Defying and occupying power is to, at once, to cheer him on and to want to quiet him down for fear that he will be silenced. But my God, it is courageous. Now, I don't think Zelensky is a Jesus figure, although he might be the newest Marvel superhero. But it really struck me this week that what I might be experiencing is just an infinitesimal part of what the disciples were as they listened and watched Jesus do his thing, preaching and teaching and healing and speaking the truth, sometimes in gentle love and sometimes in very tough love, but always working at his mission, always, no matter who was around, no matter who was offended or shocked, no matter what authority was threatened. They must have seriously had their hearts in their throats the whole time. And yet he persisted. One very good scholar has remarked that this kind of courage is displayed not simply in a single moment or an act, but in anticipating a a significant, daunting, or even frightening challenge, and not turning away from it, but rather meeting it head on. This kind of courage is a matter of character. Character that has emerged from a lifetime of facing fears and shouldering burdens and that is also being forged in the very moment of accepting challenges and responsibilities that one could have avoided. It's this kind of courage that Jesus displays in the passage before us this week. The Pharisees come and warn Jesus to go on the Lamb because Herod is out for his blood, and we don't, we don't know who these guys are, or what motivates them. It doesn't really matter. We just know that they tell Jesus to run and to save his life, and that he refuses. Instead, he'll keep to the road appointed, traveling the arduous path to Jerusalem to meet his death there, like so many earlier prophets of God. And this commitment to embrace his dark and difficult destiny for the sake of humanity is the very embodiment of this kind of courage. He displays this steadfast courage in moving forward to Jerusalem and the cross on behalf of the world that God loves so much. But again, vulnerability plays an absolutely critical role in this kind of courage. To anticipate challenge and suffering and and not look away is by definition to make oneself vulnerable for the sake of others. That's really important to mark. Because as a culture, we don't often equate vulnerability with courage and strength. With care and love and concern, maybe but not often with courage and strength. At our worst, we often see vulnerability as a sign of weakness, something to be avoided at all costs. At our best, we recognize the need to be vulnerable to those we care about most deeply, but we don't often see vulnerability as essential to living a courageous life. But I think it's pretty clear that Jesus shows us that vulnerability is essential to courage. And not only that, it stands at the core of the Christian life. And he invites us to discover the peculiar strength of being open to the needs of those around us. You know, in this passage, Jesus chooses the image of a hen and her chicks gathering her brood of chicks to her for protection and safety. And he uses that to illustrate his love and concern for God's people. This is an image of unparalleled vulnerability. To be a parent or to be related closely to any young offspring is, well, is to be held hostage. The reality is, is that there's no way that we can protect our children from all the threats that this life presents. Nor should we, despite our culture's attempt at helicoptering styles of parenting. And that not only leaves us profoundly vulnerable, but it promises, well, it promises a level of suffering that we simply couldn't endure if we hadn't bound ourselves so, so fully to our children. It's said that a parent is usually only as happy as their least happy child. Now that's vulnerability. And it's precisely this characteristic that Jesus embodies, and by extension invites us to attribute to God. That God becomes vulnerable to all the vicissitudes of human life by becoming one of and one with God's children through the Incarnation. And in addition, Jesus' choice of this image really helps us to realize that it is our vulnerability that spurs on our courage and nourishes our strength because you can, you simply can and will do things for those that you love that you wouldn't do or couldn't do for yourself. And this kind of selflessness is at the core of the Christian life. We are the children of God, every one of us. This is the quality of God's love for us. And so Jesus continues on to Jerusalem to prove himself fearless, not to prove himself fearless or a hero, not to make a sacrifice for sin to a judgmental God, not even to combat death and the devil. No, Jesus marches to Jerusalem and embraces the cross that awaits him there out of a profound love for the people around him, just like a mother's fierce love. And believe me, that is fierce. That will stop at nothing to protect her children. Now, what are we to do with this faith and vulnerability and courage that we see in Abram and then in Jesus? Well, I think it's fairly simple. Emulate it. Our lives are to be conformed to Christ's pattern. That's the Christian journey through life and especially through Lent, is to become more and more like Jesus, to become more and more like the heart of God. If you see Jesus, you see God's heart. So I have a suggestion. Maybe when we say the creed this morning, let's lay hold of our trust in God. God, who not only makes promises, but fulfills them from generation to generation to generation. Let's lay hold of that trust, not because it makes sense, because in this world of discontinuous change, logic is a poor master. Let's lay hold of that trust because God is good and has sent Jesus among us so that we can We can know and experience God's sacrificial and profound love for us, and what that love can do if we, with vulnerability, with trust and faith in our hearts, lean hard on the Lord during this time. I mean, that's courageous, to put our minds and our hearts into the Lord's hands and to follow where the Spirit leads us in service. And it will, believe me, take us to places that we would not have gone on our own. I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Christ Church Cathedral. Audio editing and original theme by Eduardo Farias. We hope you join us again soon. Have a blessed day.